It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. That's recorded live. It is shocking to me that in the final summary of his life, when we hear him speak in the 49th chapter of the book of Genesis, you can't help but notice a sense of anger and frustration in his voice as he refuses to release his sons from what they did. He speaks to Simeon and Levi almost as if he were angry with them. And he brings up an incident out of their past and calls him cruel and unjust, insensitive. And he says that their descendants will be cursed over what we will call tonight the Shechem incident. Now, you must understand there are some things that we can do that we can kind of move along and get over and go about our business. But there are some principles that if you violate them, it will affect you and your children and your children's children. There are some things that you cannot violate. There are some walls that you cannot break down. And the Bible talks about it. The King James Version, it deals with how they have dug down a wall. They have they've messed up some things that, that Jacob says is irreparable. And they are in a state where even as he is dying, he's almost pointing his finger at them. They're expecting a blessing, but he says, you're still cursed, gasping for breath. Heart pumping slowly, pulse getting weak, eyes rolling up in his head, a cold sweat on his brow. Death has reached out with her cold fingers and attached herself to his lungs, and the air is escaping his body. And in the final moments before he takes his flight from time into eternity, he says, you're still cursed. What an embarrassing moment for them, surrounded by all of their brothers. What a moment of disdain. What a moment of despair. This is their father's final words. And you have to wonder in your mind, what happened in the Shechem incident that Jacob, even when he is old, is still pointing his crooked finger at them and saying, you're still wrong. And you'll never get the blessing that you should have gotten because God remembers the Shechem incident. You see, this, this is an interesting issue because this issue centers, as we read in the text, the 34th chapter, it centers around a young lady named Dinah who is one of Jacob's daughters. 
And it is interesting because according to the patriarchal tradition of the times, the blessings are commended primarily to sons as opposed to daughters. And yet these boys are denied their blessing over something they did to a girl, to a sister, to a woman. The way they treated her, what went down in Shechem, God is still holding against them because God does watch how you treat other people. Oh, I know that's not popular because we think that as long as we praise him, we can be mean and hateful to other people, but God does care how you treat other people. It's not just an Old Testament principle. It's, It's not just something that's housed in the Pentateuch before appropriate blood was sprinkled, but all the way over into the New Testament, God warns us about how we treat one another. He He warns us that we have love one toward another. He, he warns us, even as husbands, how we treat our wives. God does watch over his, not just his sons, but he also watches over his daughters. I know people don't like to, to admit that, but God will watch over his, his daughters just like he does his sons, if you don't believe it, ask Moses about the daughters of Malafahad. And when the women came to him and said, we don't see why we shouldn't receive the blessing just like the men, even though we are women. And it was so confusing to Moses because it was inappropriate for these radical women to ask to be blessed like a man, that even Moses had to get down on his knees and say, God, what do I do with these radical women that insist that you're their God too? God opened his mouth and cleared his throat and said, the woman is right. I want every woman in here to holler, God will bless me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not replacing men, but I'm standing right beside you and saying that God will bless me too. The blessing of the Lord is going to fall tonight. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I feel like God is going to release some things in your heart and in your spirit tonight, break some curses over your life and get you ready for what he wants to do in you. Shake somebody and say, this curse must be broken. You're an original, a unique expression of God's creative genius. You can put yourself in that position. It is through flight. God is not asking you to achieve. He's asking you to receive. When they came to Jesus and they said to people that are with you are hungry, he said, oh, good, that's capacity. I want you to fly. today and meet us in Dallas.
have to apologize to Donna myself. I didn't treat Donna right either. I slandered Donna as a preacher. I misrepresented Donna as a preacher. I, I didn't look at Donna deeply enough. I preached Donna, and I, I suggested things about this girl that wasn't true. I thought that Donna had gone trancing about in Shechem because she was a slut. I thought she was looking for the men of Shechem. I thought she'd gotten out in the street looking for a date. I criticized her for wandering out in Shechem because I didn't understand that when you read the text, she didn't go into Shechem looking for men. The Bible says she was looking for daughters. She was looking for sisters. She was looking for women. She was looking for connection. She's looking for mothering. She's looking for nurturing. She's looking for affection. She's looking for what Leah couldn't give her. She was looking for somebody who would help her find her purpose and her destiny. I'm wondering if there's anybody in here who's ever searched to find the missing link in your life. Probably the effort. She wasn't looking for a date. She was looking for Leah, for nurturing, for affection, for completion. Have you ever left home looking for one thing? And ended up with something else. Have you ever left home looking for love and people just made assumptions about you and thought they knew what you were and labeled you and started rumors on you and they don't know who you are? They don't know what you meant. Have you ever tumbled around trying to find what you should have already had? Looking. In Shechem, she was looking in Shechem, trying to find what she should have found in the house. I said she was trying to find what she should have found in the house. I have to apologize for her because, because the Bible says that when she came to Shechem, the city was named after the prince Shechem, who was the son of Hamor. And when she came down in Shechem, she ran into the prince. Now, he was from Shechem. He wasn't a part of her family or her house, but but he saw her, and, and he slept with her. And I apologize to Brother Shechem, too, because, because I thought that he just brutalized her and raped her and ostracized her. But no, 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 that's not exactly how it was. He, he did sleep with her, but the Bible said he fell in love with her. Oh, I know. I know. He fell in love with her, this strange broken girl who was looking for something. Maybe he needed to be needed, I don't know, but whatever it was, he fell in love. 
with Donna, this this purposeless, wandering, wilted woman. He fell in love with her. Fell in love with her. He told his daddy, said, I've got to have this woman. I want her. It wasn't a fling. It wasn't it wasn't a midnight rendezvous. He said, I want her to be my wife. He said, Daddy, get me this woman. I want to make her my wife. The Bible said he loved her. He he did for her what her daddy didn't do for her mother. Y'all can't handle me tonight. I said he did for her what her daddy didn't do for her mother. He had never seen a man love a woman. He loved her. He loved her. She finally found where she fit. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're saying he went about it wrong. It would have been all right for him to sleep with her had he made her first. You're right. He, he should have married her and, and said, it wasn't right. It wasn't right. I can't make excuses for it. It was, it was out of order. It, it was wrong. It, it wasn't divine order. It wasn't right. And, and then the Bible scholars are saying, she didn't have no business fooling with the men of Jacob. No way. She should have married somebody in her house. And, and, and I know it wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. Wasn't right. It should have been in the house, but it wasn't right. You see, sometimes God has to take you outside of the house. I wish I had a diner in here. Somebody that God had to get you outside of the box, had to get you out of your city, away from your folks, away from the folks who knew you when, away from the place where you thought. Have you ever had God bless you in a strange place? Some of y'all, they didn't even want you to come to this meeting, but God will take you out of your It wasn't right. Good morning. It wasn't right. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't right for Rahab. The hooker. To lie about the spies. It wasn't right. <laughs> It, 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 it wasn't right for Samuel to lie to Saul about why he was looking for David to anoint him. It wasn't right. It wasn't right for Jonah to head towards Tarsus. It wasn't right. <laughs> it wasn't right. 
for you to have a baby out of women. Somebody receive that rainbow word is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to inject into your heart to help to inoculate you from the trials and the test of the enemy. What he has launched against you, the impact that he has sent, is just a prerequisite of the blessing that God is going to release in your life. Misperceptions color how we see and treat other people and how we manage the situations that we're in. I pray that we cleared up something that illuminated your soul, invigorated your spirit, and prepared you for what God is about to do in your life. Hey, just before I go, I want to remind you, June 28th, July the 1st, Megafest is going on. We've got manpower. We've got woman art loose. We've got some powerful empowerment sessions. We've got some entrepreneurial training for people who are trying to get their business up, and there's some information that needs to be conveyed to you that would take your business to the next level. I guarantee you, what you invest in registration will come back in the information that you get, in the revelation that you receive, and in the restoration that you experience. Register at mega-fest.org. It's getting ready to come into your life, and you will not remember anymore. Your mind is going to be wiped clean. That attitude is going to be changed. But now tomorrow, I'm trapped. Into joy. Are you ready? I want you to jump up and hold a joy. One, two, three. Ah.
calling out that he called you. Hear it. But you got to do the coming. Discover how to answer it. To be able to enter into a dimension that you could enter into otherwise. And experience the fullness of coming into your calling. I'm going to set you in the next dimension so that you can flow into your destiny rather than to sweat in your history. For your gift to the ministry of any size, you will receive Bishop Jake's crucial message coming into your calling on CD. He always call you to do something but you say, Lord, I can't do it without you. And when your gift is $70 or more, you will receive Coming Into Your Calling on CD and the extraordinary Six Message Destiny series on DVD. I'm not looking for Jesus I can carry. I'm looking for Jesus that can carry me. However, when your gift is $110 or more, we will add Bishop Jake's best-selling book, Destiny, and Crucial Study Guide. Coming Into Your Calling is greater than you can imagine. Get ready for Mega Laughs at a Tired to Laugh Comedy Show at Mega Fest 2017. Experience a hilarious star-studded lineup featuring hosts, Nessie Tommy, actress Yvonne Orji from the HBO comedy series Insecure, the incredibly hilarious Michael Jr., original comic Tony Robbins, with band leader Fred Hammond, and one of the original kings of comedy, Cedric Entertainment. So put a thing up, you got an exemption. Don't you wish you had that in life, fuck. I'm not gonna say all black people don't like water, all the black people I know. Black women can hear. Black women do not want to get you to rob a black woman with a sport gun. Get ready for more laughs, more stars, and more fun. At a time to laugh at Megafest, Friday, 2.30 at the Dallas Convention Center. Tickets are going fast. Purchase yours today at Ticketmaster.com. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter Show. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown has a heart for passionate revival. He shares his global ministry. And praise the Lord with Joni and me and the Daystar Singers and Band. Live at noon, 11 Central, only on Daystar. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. And I'm Ray Thompson. And we're really excited to let you know that an entirely new season of The Way of the Master has finally arrived. The Way of the Master, Mission Europe. Ray and the team travel to 13 countries in 13 days, preaching the gospel to people from many different cultures. Are you a good person? That's The Way of the Master, Mission Europe. Don't miss it. Saturdays at these special times, right here on Daystar. Immerse yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit. Breathe on us afresh. Powerful events are bringing hope and changing lives, and D-Star brings them to you. You never have to miss a moment. If it airs on D-Star, it lives on demand. Only on D-Star and D-Star.com. Today's generation makes D-Star their home for faith television. D-Star, experience it. 
following program is sponsored by Friends of Light Outreach International. Anxiety was a big part of that for me, but I've learned on the backside now that anxiety isn't a thing. It's a symptom of a thing. So when someone says, I'm struggling with my anxiety again, I'm like, no, you're not struggling with your anxiety. You're struggling with something that's making you anxious. There's so many places in Scripture that say be anxious for nothing. Next, Louis Diglio says that Jesus is the one and only giant slayer, and Goliath must fall.
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
Ray music. All good vibes.
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app.
opportunity to tell you now. About 15 years ago, I was driving down the street all by myself. And here comes a car that turns right out in front of me and hits me head on. And I went out like a light. The ambulance came and carried me to the hospital. I couldn't walk for a month. And my face was disfigured. But the Lord has raised me up. Hallelujah. Now I want you to know I know about the hill. He healed my mind. And he healed my face. I just want to say thank you for pain. And the doctor said, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better.
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Completely 
fellowship and to teach and to be transparent, to share testimonies, all of those things, to pray together. We just thank you. We thank you. We thank you this morning. We thank you. And we just want to say how much we appreciate the other um, the opportunity. Sometimes we spend a lot of time asking and asking and asking, but we don't spend enough time in the spirit of truth and healing. And so, Father, this morning, we just ask that you touch the hearts, touch the minds, touch the spirits, touch the bodies of those who are on this call, those who can be on the call, those who would like to be on the call, but for whatever reason would not be able to do so. And also, that seven degrees of separation, Father, we just ask that you just bless abundantly, that you just bless abundantly, that you convict, that you convict, that you reprove, that you rebuke, whatever is necessary in your eyes, Father, for each of us individually, so that we become better people, so that we are pointed and guided in the right direction, so that we move according to the way that you would have for us to make. Father, we just ask that you open up our spirits, our, our minds, our hearts to receive that that you will have for us again. Just open us up for the reception of it, Father. We ask that you fix any broken places, that you may crooked roll straight, Father. We just ask that you just um, heal, do whatever healing may be necessary so that we become more productive people, so that what comes out of our mouths is an exhortation that what we see is interpreted the right way, Father, that what we hear is what we need to hear in the Spirit, Father. We ask for supernatural wisdom and discernment in this season, in this hour, Father, because what it is that's going on now, what it is that you have for us, is what we are going to need supernatural. We're going to need what's far, far, far out exceeds and outweighs anything in this natural, Father, because it is in the spirit realm, Father, that we must fight this war, Father. It is in the spirit realm, Father, that the tools and the materials that we need to do what it is that we need to do will be found. And so we just ask that you create, well, continue to create because you're already doing it. The soldiers that we need, Father, just continue to create that we are a work in progress each and every last one of us, and we have so much further to go, but we yield ourselves this morning, Father, to you. We yield ourselves to you so that you can remake us, remold us, rebuild us into whatever it is that you would have for us to just know the picture, Father. And so as we move forward through this call, we just ask that, as always, that you show up and show out, that you move through the mind, that you guide the lips, of people for the things I said that are supposed to be serious. I ask that you open up the spirits and the minds and the hearts of those um, who are hearing, who are in within earshot, so that we can get what we need to get when whomever is speaking for whatever reason. And then that we share that information with those um, to whom we come in contact so that we may be true ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Anybody else want to pray? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that as a no.
Ramboski, Sharamboko, Sharyamboko, Sata, Horomboski, Horyande, Sherekombo, Saka, Horoshande, Shekombo, Setirekomboko, Horoshande, the Kosaka, Horoshande, the Kosete, Sherambrande de Kosa Daka. Oskele de Kambose. Shandrande de Kosete. Boskele de Kobaka. Harande de Kosada. Boskele de Kamboko. Alright, there it goes. Turn it off and turn it back on. That's what you're about to do. It's, they've been doing stuff. Some I don't know what's going on. Downstairs TV's been acting up. So just turn the box off. Turn TV back on. See what happens. Yeah, let me get behind. Brenda goes, share the combo, say this, share the combo, share the combo, say, share the combo, share the combo, share the combo, share the combo, share the Randy <laughs> 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 Brandy to go sete, Sharandeke, Shandana to go sandeke, hey, yup, 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 yup. Thank you, Holy Spirit of Bokor, Shandiri to go sete, Horandeke, Shelokomba, Horandeke, Shelokombo sete. Oh, yes, Father God, let the power of God come forth. Let the anointing of Christ increase. Let the Spirit of God pour. Pour upon your people, Father God. Pour upon your people. Pour upon your people. Pour upon your people. Pour upon your people, Pour upon your people, Lord. Father God, yes. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Father God. Boski de Combraca. Sendirikosa, Hmm. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Hmm. Hmm. Power. 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 Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. When I said the word power, then I just began to think and reflect. And the TV show Power came across my mind. Then I started thinking about power. People sell, we literally sell our souls to the devil for power, either knowingly or unknowingly. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, when we we see on TV where people actually make contracts, well, that stuff happens, whether or not we want to agree with it or not, this stuff happens. But then unknowingly, as we just continuously do those things, which binds us to things of the world. We we continually, you know, do things which, you know, keep us trapped in money, keep us trapped in uh, fame, keep us trapped in all these things that we desire. But ultimately, when we get to the end of the road, we're empty. I mean, so in, in, in that sense, we're literally selling ourselves to the devil because those things attract us. Those things are glamorous. Those are things that we desire, and we get power. We get fame, and we feel we feel we feel empowered. So again, we literally sell our souls to the devil to gain things of the world. But what was funny was Christ is the exact opposite. He doesn't want you to sell your soul. He wants you to deny your soul. Deny yourself? Isn't that yourself part of your soul? He wants you to deny your soul so that he and it can increase. And what happens is, as you deny yourself, so it's like either way it goes, either as from God or from the devil, it's requiring you to diminish yourself. If you're doing it from the devil's perspective, you're kind of not so much diminishing in the sense of because you get into things that you want and you feel fulfilled and this and nothing until you recognize that you're empty later on down the road. 
But in God, those things that you're wanting to do, you find yourself fighting to let go because you're fighting because I need this needs to change. And, and, and I'm not going to get into the depths of it right now, but you begin to let go of, of different things because God begins to draw you to different things. It's another. So, again, you begin to deny yourself. But the thing about it is what happens is when you're doing it with God and for God and by God, then you don't have that emptiness that you will end up with the other way. You find yourself, even though with God, because you come to points in this walk where you become frustrated because you have to let go of things that you want. You have to stop doing things that you want. and and But you find that in the process or maybe after the fact that you really didn't need it in the first place or you find fulfillment and giving it up because now he's doing something else. You find peace, you find strength. If you get so much more, you get so much more by denying yourself for God. So the difference is when you deny yourself or you give up yourself or you make ties with the devil to get what you want, your end result is emptiness. But when you begin to deny yourself for God and for what he wants, you find yourself fulfilled because it has eternal value. You can draw upon the peace, the strength, the love of God. So it's just, I, I just, it was just an interesting contradiction. I don't know if contradiction is a word, an interesting scenario. Because both of those require you giving up of yourself. But in one sense, you're not really giving yourself, well, you think you're not giving up yourself until the end. And you find yourself empty. And the other things you are giving up on yourself, but you find yourself full. Anyway, that's my opening prayer this morning. Amen. Trader Joe's, T. Tree Pingle. Anybody else want to pray? If not, I'm start on the prayer. Amen. Amen. You have a comment, dear? I'm I, honestly, I was a little confused at the end by what you meant. I got it at the beginning, but somewhere along the line, I think I got a little confused. Okay. About what you meant. I think, I guess I got it. Maybe I'm thinking too much. Well, tell me what you got. Tell me what you're confused on. Well, I got, you know, it sounds like, were you saying that if you, that when you deny yourself, whatever it is, if you deny yourself, it's just for God, because you don't feel like you really denied yourself anything because you're so empty at the end. Okay, you're breaking, you're breaking up, so... Oh, hang on, hang on, let me get back closer. I said, are you, were you saying that, um, were you saying that when you, when you deny yourself, um, when you deny yourself, you do it, if you do that, excuse me, if you do deny yourself, sometimes you get an empty feeling.
feeling, or you could have an empty feeling, but if you do it for God, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you don't feel so empty because it was for him. Well, okay, this is kind of sort of different. What, it, what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm going back into the scenario of, like, you know, people selling souls to the devil. We always hear those things, especially mm-hmm. if you look at those crazy movies. Mm-hmm. But in, in all honesty, that type of stuff does happen. Mm-hmm. So I was saying that, but then I was saying even in a sense of when we're not openly making a contract with the devil, but we're still because we want money, we want fame, we want this, this. And, but we're doing those things because literally that's what we want. That's what we desire. You feel me on that? Yeah. Okay. So in the sense we're not denying ourselves, but what happens is we are giving up ourselves from an eternal aspect because what happens nine times out of ten after we've had the money, the fame, this, that, and the other, where we don't have a, where there's an emptiness inside of us because it can't fill that void. That's why you're seeing all these actors and actors and athletes do all these dumb and crazy things and then run off on drugs and because they got all, they got the money, they got the fame. They this is what they studied for. This is what they did. They applied themselves to all of this, all of their life, all this, all this effort mm-hmm. to gain right. this. Mm-hmm. And now they got that which they've been wanting, which is that so many out of themselves they've been wanting it, but they find themselves empty. Mm, okay. 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 Mhm. Right. And that's why they start doing the drugs and right. everything else. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Right. I got that part. So that's what I'm saying. So it's like, and I guess, I mean, interesting. So that's why I'm saying, so in a sense, we're doing it to make us happy because of what we want. But the end, but the end of the game, we're really unhappy and we don't have anything. So I'm saying we're trying to gain something, but we actually end up losing it. Ah, okay. So, so is it sort of a thing? So you're. It sounds like you are just basically saying thing about um, what what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? As I was talking with, it, that's what exactly rolled up. I was like, wow, because that's that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. And so, wow. and so, and so that's what I'm saying. So we're trying to gain the world. And in essence, we lose our soul. Well, Christ comes to you and says, deny your soul and gain me, and then I will give you everything else. Mm-hmm. Ah, so, okay. Gotcha. So, so, like, in both instances, there's a denial of self, one at the front, forefront, and one you find yourself at the latter front because you lose your soul because you had everything else. Mm-hmm. So either way it goes, there's a struggle for the soul. Got it. Interesting. That's an interesting. I almost said something. <laughs> That's an interesting that? scenario. What were you about to say, Cuz? Who me? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do nothing like that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And and all of this is really, you know, I think that that some things are, are complicated 
you know, some things can be a little tricky, a little complicated, but then I think that there's a lot of things that we make complicated that are not about mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we 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 add all this razzmatazz. <laughs> I call it razzmatazz. All this razzmatazz, all the rhetoric, all the this, all the that. When stuff kind of really is simple, because God is not. That's one thing <clears throat> my granny always told me. Mm-hmm. She said, um, she said, um, God is is, is simple. Mm. You know, we, we add all this crazy stuff to it. She said, that's man-made stuff. God is very simple, very simple. We add, because, you know, people, they want to look smart. They want to sound smart. They want to add this cloud of mystique to everything because it makes you sound mm-hmm. good. It gets you it gets your lecture series at the university, you know. Um, she said, but God is so freaking simple. Just do right. Mm-hmm. Do right. It don't need. It ain't all this other sh- stuff. It's like I'm telling you, my granny was a very. I had the blessing because my mom had me so young. I had the blessing of being one of the probably the few people on earth who actually get to who was actually partially raised by my great grandmother, not my grandmother, but my great grandmother, my mother's mother's mother. And that's one thing she used when we were sit 67 in Lafayette and we would sit by that window. And I would, and she would talk to me, and she would say, come sit over here, baby girl. And we would just sit and look at the cars on the expressway right out there, and um, she would just talk to me. And because she was um, she was uh, French Indian, so she was a very spiritual woman, and she was connected with the earth. And she said, God is very simple. People complicate things because it makes them look smart and important. And, and we always trying to figure. She said, it's not that serious. Do right. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't steal. Don't kill. You know, don't destroy. Don't sleep with other people's wives and husbands. Don't, you know, take more than what you need. You know, don't be greedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, all, she just said all this stuff. She's like, God, it's just simple because the whole point of God is balance mm. and goodness. It's balance and goodness. So if people just do all that, all this other stuff ain't necessary. All this, this religious dogma, all the, you got to do this, you got, my God is a, is a Harvard professor. No. She said, no, no. And that's what turns people away from religion and from the church because they add all this extra crap. Like, mm-hmm. what is that? You know? And so I guess that's why there's a lot of things that I see, um, you know, maybe in a different, because I hate, I hate it. I hate the religious dogma. I can't stand it because I know that that's not, because most people, to be honest with you, who are, who subscribe to that stuff are living in hypocrisy anyway. Mm-hmm. They say, they preach one thing and they do something else. If you follow them around with the camera, they're doing something totally different because, of course, when they do it, it's okay. When, when they tell everybody else not to do something, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. They'll say, Lord, you got to speak in tongues. you got to, you know, turn around, run around the church 17 times if you want to bless it. <laughs> you know, if you don't pay your tithes, then you can't come back to this church no more because God said, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, don't do this. God don't have sex outside your marriage, but they got 13 kids with everybody in church. You know, crazy stuff. 
It's, it's, it's nonsense. All that extra is what I'm saying. God is so pure and simple, and I think that that's why it's important for all of us to have our own relationship with him and don't let other people tell you that your relationship is not okay, that you need more of this, less of this. Don't nobody know your relationship with your creator except for you because he talks to us individually. Now, if you see somebody who's doing drive-bys and stuff, they might not have that close of a relationship. I'm just saying, you know, that might be a little questionable. <laughs> but we spend a lot of time and energy trying to tell other folks what they're supposed to do and how to live and what God said and all this stuff. And our own lives are reflective of the fact that we that we need to sit down. You know that um, is a chance. To, no, Kendrick Lamar is a chance to rap or Kendrick Lamar. I'll be forgetting. No, it's chance that um, you know sit down, be humble. That song you probably don't know it. But, you know, sit down, be humble, sit down, be humble. That's what he wants us to do as as leaders sometimes, sit down somewhere. Get yourself together before you go out and trying to lead anybody. Sit down, be humble, mm. you know, for real. And that's and because that's I, I was listening to uh, Juanita the other night saying different. If your life is not clean, if your life is in disarray, if your life is in, um, you know, things are out of order, if you're doing stuff that you know, why why in God's name are you trying to tell other people what to do? Whether, whether, it, whether you're right or not, whether you're right, you could be correct, but morally and ethically do you even have the ground to stand on? And that's why I say, and this is connecting back to what, you know, what you were saying about, um, you know, the, the people and the riches and the excess and all this other stuff because they're made to be, you know, models and all of this stuff when they shouldn't be a lot of the times. And that's why with the conferences, you, you, can, you can go, I have a tape from last year, I got the footage, I watched it the other day, and um, it's going to be professionally videotaped this year. You'll never hear me talking about anything that that um, well I don't have no business talking. I'm not what I'm gonna do. Get up and tell and do a marriage um, a marriage thing. I'm gonna tell somebody how to be married. Now I know how to be married very well. I know how to be the bomb wife. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do it, but I haven't. I can tell you what not to do. I can tell you some other things, but I'm not about to hold no married women's workshop. I ain't married. So how am I going to do that? You see what I'm saying? How am I going to tell somebody, you know, that's like me trying to go to a, a doctor's, a medical convention, try to tell somebody how to do open-heart surgery. The heck do I know about that? I only got a C in chemistry. <laughs> you know, how am how I going to do that? You know, so I don't, I don't talk about things where my life is not in order. I just don't. And so I think that, you know, that, that's, um, those are the things that God, really means when he talks about things being done decently and in order mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and even, you know, with the excess and all of that stuff, you know, sometimes we, we need to, even folks, you know, in certain positions need to just sit down and be humble and shut up and let somebody else who's more, of, you know, in a position to speak, speak, you know. Um, but I never, I never forgot that stuff that my, that my granny told me. You know, and and that's what he is. He's a God of balance and harmony. 
That's what that's what it's all about. Is you know, in the Bible is it's about the restoration. You know, there's a lot of restoration. So things get out of whack, children of Israel start acting a fool. <laughs> he gotta send somebody in there to fix it. They act a fool again. He gotta send you know, they act a fool again. Half the Bible is about the children of Israel acting a fool. Because they keep forgetting who they are and start tripping. You know? So to me, that's just, for me, all of that stuff is all tied in together. What you said, what my granny said, what I just said to me, all of those things are all tied in um, together. All of it is. Okay, so Felicia said, Oh, Felicia says, man makes it complicated because of Sadducee and and Pharisee syndrome. Mm. Mm. Now, what I wonder what she means by that. Do you know? Can you delineate what she means? The the Sadducees and Pharisees, you can kind of say Jesus is the main rival, but they Mm -hmm. always lost in self-righteousness. Yes, they did trying to tell him what he was wrong because the, right. the uh, word says this and the word says that. Okay. And he called them snakes and vipers, but they right. were supposed okay. to be the religious leaders of the day. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I'm like, all right, what exactly did she mean? Okay. Because, you know, sometimes if a person is not able to speak, it's hard to, it's hard for them to get across exactly what they mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and that's why I, I, you know, I think that it's important as anybody who has a platform, whether you got a platform at a um, storefront church with five people, or whether you Joe Austin and you got ten million people, you know. I think it's always important to examine the why. Why are you even speaking? What are you saying it for? Are you just talking just because just because you're talking? Or or is there a prescription that you're trying to get across? Like what is your what is your reason? What is your why? You know, what are you gonna leave people with? Whether it's a one on one conversation ministry that you're doing or if it's, you know, kind of like a, um, it could be Megafest or anything like that, what what are you leaving the people with? Is there an assignment? Is there a challenge? You know, when you go, when when you're taught how to preach, that's what, that's one of the things that they tell you. You always leave the people with a challenge at the end. After you get done yakking, 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 quoting scriptures and interpreting stuff, I always have the time and all that stuff, what is, what is the prescription or what is the challenge that you're leaving for the people to do? Because at the end of the day, that exercising of that is what's going to change lives and transform. So that's why am I saying that, because I'm not just talking just to be talking. What Felicia just said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, if, it's, you know, if your interpretation is correct of what she meant, that's what they did. They was always talking and yakking, you know. Don't do this. Don't do. This. But they wasn't trying to help nobody and tell them, you know, what how to live right. They was just being self righteous and like to hit themselves off because they could. But Jesus gave a remedy. Jesus gave a prescription. He gave mandates. Here's your homework. <laughs> he gave homework assignments. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you, but here's your assignment so you can go out and get yourself right. And that's what I, what I personally listen for all the time when I hear anybody talk about anything. What is the prescription at the end? What is the challenge? What is the, is the thing that you're going to leave me with to help me become better in whatever way? Otherwise, I know you're just talking and stroking yourself while you're talking. Mm-hmm. And no reason I have a Bible convention as one. So what? <laughs> Didn't know we were going to have Bible convention, Bible study this morning. Well, you know, it's just a prayer line, so things happen. That's what it's here for. This is why I'm going to have my internet radio show. This is where or why? Why? Yeah, we're going to start the internet radio show in July, right, shortly before the um, conferences start. It's being uh, put together be, right now. That would that would be this week, Andrew? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I just give you a headache? Yes, you did. Thank you. Appreciate yourself. No problem. I'm, you know, just, you know. Okay. Oh, my I'll be God. Fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Amen. No, I didn't realize it was that quick. (laughs) When did that happen? Mm, Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amen. Wait a minute. That's the air going out of the balloon while it's flying around. <laughs> mhm. I was sitting at the gym yesterday. I looked in the mirror. I was so mad. I said, "Where did this gray air come from? What is happening? What the hell? This happened like just in the last year and a half." Mhm. All right, Dag, is this what being obedient causes? Mhm. What's happening? He said, yeah, I'm going to need you to get some of that wisdom. Like, sister, I'm giving you wisdom. Let me show you so that it's visible to the world. Okay. All right. (laughs) Sweet baby Jesus. Uh Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I have something. She said yes. See, are you saying that Sam's interpretation was correct? Is that what the yes is? Oh. (laughs) Got a head full of gray. Girl, I'm telling you, I've aged like 50 years since I started this school and all of that. It was starting a little bit before that, but when when I did all of that, when that stuff happened, and then all of a sudden, I'm out here looking like Nancy Wilson. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I went from looking like I was 10 years old until looking like I was 110. 
overnight. But you know what? It's funny, too. I know I'm being facetious. She said wisdom is stressful but God. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Vanessa said, I'm sorry. Who is this? Vanessa, that's Felicia. It's funny because this whole conversation is going on in my text. I'm sure you can see it too. Yeah, I hear my phone beeping. Yeah, that's because it's it's a whole thing, um, a whole thing popping off. I know at this at the conference, uh, it's going to be something, and and I'm I definitely want everybody to be in prayer with me, especially you, because God told me what to do at this conference, and it ain't what I was going to do. <laughs> and you sound surprised. It's not. It's nowhere near. I told you. You know how like you rehearse your Easter speech. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm kind of. You know, he is risen from the dead. He is risen. This I said. Something like Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. He told me, No, you're not. You're gonna do something else, and you're gonna do something that's gonna make you and and everybody else feel uncomfortable. He told me. He said it's time for transparency. You will. Be transparent about your experiences. That's what you're going to do, and you're going to use it, And which is why I, I allow these circumstances, and you're going to use it to change people's lives, and you're going to tell them what happened. I was like, I got to. I don't want to do that. I mean, it's one thing to share with people you know or share on the prayer line with the six of us, but it's a, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, then I got a, I got to worry about my mama going into a downward spiral and shit because I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, what about, he said, don't worry about her. That's my daughter. You do what I said. Mm-hmm. I said, oh. Okay. Felicia said, yes, transparency is the ministry of Christ. Amen. Felicia said, yes, transparency is the ministry of Christ. Yeah, it's it's going. It's 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 he already I'm telling you, he put me in a in a in an almost comatose like sleep last night, and I saw the whole thing, everything that's going to be said, everything. I saw it already. I already saw it, and I was like, "Oh boy, isn't that going to be something?" Oh boy. Well, since Luke is listening, I have a dream mm-hmm. that um I don't know how much this dream I can recall, but Chuck Norris was in it. <laughs> <laughs> you went back to old, old. Oh. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh my God. I was born the same year, wasn't he? Anyway, that was the same. That was the good one. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be appearing in Harvey on June 29th. Come on back. <laughs> anyway, getting back to my dream. Okay, Father God, I rush you to go both scared at some both it did go. Father God, help me remember that what you want me to speak. If it, yeah, okay, I guess it is relevant because I'm, I'm about to talk about it. So this was the deal. Okay. Chuck Horse is in it, and he had one of his buddies who actually resembled the guy from Nerds. Remember, the, and they had the, all the Nerds movies, but the one guy in the first Nerds movie, he was in the other... Um, he was in the other. He was he was one of the cool guys that wanted to drink and gallop and crazy stuff. And the next mm-hmm. nerd movie, he became nerd. I have no clue. Okay. Well, anyway, but he was like one of Chuck's sparring partners or whatever, and they were real, real close friends. So Chuck Norris was coming to town to get some type of award, like a lifetime achievement award. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So focusing, and I was doing something dealing with construction, and Gerard was in it, and then some storms came up, and it was tearing everything apart, and I really wasn't able, like, as I'm talking about this dream, I'm beginning to get an understanding of the dream period. Okay, I really wasn't able to... Try to secure stuff because I was stretched. I was trying to like do the Chuck Norris thing, but then I was also trying to hold. You know, I, well, I, I couldn't couldn't like make the necessary repairs because like fast as I would try to do something, some negative would happen. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't have the money, and it was also still storming. So like I really really couldn't do nothing. But then. At the end result, I had to do something because it was just tearing everything apart and stuff was just not right. So then I ended up going out in the middle of the storm, getting some kind of plastic and just wrapping it around everything, which helped to protect and seal it. Then there was this big old spider that was coming to bite me, and then I saw him, and at the last minute I was able to get him away. So at the end of it, I was able to get everything buttoned up. I don't really remember. I just remember Chuck Norris and his partner going on to the conference or whatever it was. And then I was sitting there just like a ball of just confusion. But the oddest thing is I went to get my hair cut. And I wrapped the whole house in plastic to secure it so it was protected while the storm was still raging. I don't really know what happened to the spider, but I went to get my hair cut, and with the, with, I guess something with the storm or whatever, I mean, things weren't functioning right, so he couldn't really cut my hair. But then it was like it was bald-headed. Then it wasn't bald-headed. Then it was like he cut it, but it disposed bald-headed, but you still had spots there. Then when I looked up, I had like a, what's that, what's that, uh, like a dying cane. It was so nappy and dirty, and I couldn't even wash it because the storm... I just sat there in the middle of the room with just my hands on my face, just like, uh, and that's when I woke up. And Felicia going to send me a text, you need help. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me, 
start, tell me the last half of that again. I was listening, but I want to hear it again. Please. Which is the last, what is the last half? Um, you said that, you know what, do me a favor and go back to, um, you know, just trying to do the repairs, but it kept storming. Say, say that again. Okay. Repeat. So it was, all right, so I was, I, I was trying to go to the Chuck Norris thing because I was something I was involved in. And I, and I think I might even solve them doing it with him. But anyway, I know between the storm and, and stuff that, and the storm is literally so bad that it was just didn't make sense to repair. But it kept tearing everything apart. So I finally I was forced. I got like a big old roll of plastic. And I just kind of just took the plastic and wrapped it around the whole house, wrapped around the whole house. In the process of me doing that, there came this spider. I was a big old huge spider. And he was actually getting ready to bite me, but then when I saw him, I was able to chase him away, but I knew he was still in the room. So I was able to secure everything with the plastic, which kept it protected. It wasn't repaired. Because, see, I wasn't repairing, like I said, because I didn't have the money. I, the storm wasn't right. It just, I just, it just wasn't trying to repair, but it kept tearing up stuff so bad that I had to. So once I wrapped it with the plastic, I got everything repaired, at least sealed so nothing else would be torn apart. And it made it a little bit more warmer in there, too, because it was just bad. And so I got it sealed with the plastic, and then I, I don't think I – I think Chuck Norris then went on to the convention, and he got his awards. I don't think I made it. So I went to go get my hair cut, and this is the crazy thing. Because of the storm, his equipment wasn't working right, so he wasn't able to really cut me right. But it was like he cut part of my hair. The other part wasn't cut then. It was like he was cut – I was cut baubles, like all these little bitty kinkos up in there. And every time I brushed them, all this hair would appear. And the end result was I, went, I couldn't even wash or clean it again because of the storm. And it was like a big old knotted, dirty mass of hair, like Don King's hair, just like sitting up there all nasty and dirty. And I just was sitting in the middle room with my hands on my face, and that was the end of the dream. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear what I have to say about it? Sure. That dream was just, that is your subconscious manifestation of how you really feel about your life situation, about everything. Um, you know, you were working with Chuck Norris, right? And you, and in real life, you used to do martial arts. Because you know that dreams, if you put aside all the spiritual stuff that we always say about them, they really are a registration of our subconscious and our thoughts that we, when we are awake, is what we can hide and suppress and not deal with if we don't feel like it. But when you sleep, that guard gate isn't up, so it floods. Um, it's like a dam breaking. <clears throat> and so um, you were really into martial arts for real, so it's no coincidence that Chuck Norris, a martial artist, would appear in your dream. And, um, you know, you say you were supposed to meet with him, you were supposed to do... Uh, you know, work out with him or whatever in the program or whatever it was <clears throat> or whatever it was, but you um, were not able to do that um, because of the storms and, you know, having to repair and all this stuff. And so that's a manifestation of how you really feel about your situation and the fact that um, there's so many things in life that you want, that you wanted to do, that you wanted to accomplish things you know, maybe um, feeling like other people are achieving and getting what it is that they want out of life, but you are not. You're left behind with this mess 
of what subconsciously you feel is a mess in your life. Um, and so that's what that's about. Oh, you know, it's like Cinder, all the other stepsisters get to go to the ball, but Cinderella has to stay at home and clean, you know, that type of thing. Um, the storms and the, the wind and the repair, you know, that's how you look at your life situations, all this stuff coming at you. You can't get one thing fixed before something else comes, you know. Something keeps, you're trying to glue something down, something keeps coming along and pulling the doggone paper back up. So you got to keep gluing it over and over and over again. Um, you know, like what you were saying about the, the hair. Um, you know, like you went to go get a haircut, so you tried to get it together. You went to get a haircut. I'm trying to work this thing out. I'm trying to get it together. I'm trying to solidify things. I'm trying to have a normal, quote, normal life. But clippers jacked up. You know, it's always something. And so you end up with this big, you said, this big mass or ball of hair. Um, this, you know, ball of hair or whatever, like dirty and stuff. That's the way you see your life. That's the way you see your situation. And so in the frustration and the angst of it all and despair, that's when you just kind of sit down in the middle of the floor and just be like, put your hands over your face. And, and also remember that putting your hands over your face is a martial arts boxing move as well since we started off talking about that. Don't they always tell you to protect your face at all times? If you're ever attacked and you keep getting attacked, Put your hands up and protect your face at all times. Don't let them get your face. Put your hands up over your face so they can't get your eyes. And then put your hands, you know, kind of like over your head and stuff too because that's your brain. You don't want a brain injury as well. That's what they teach you. Well, Felicia, you've just been fired as a, as a dream interpreter. She's been hired. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't see them. Then go wow. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, I I know I I know how to interpret some dreams, homie. But you know when I do it, I'm not gonna put a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. I'm gonna tell you what it is. That's what it is. You that's the way you see your life. The storms, the the missing out when other people seem to be happy and and having quote normal lives and moving on. Um, constantly having a fix of yet in the midst of a storm. You know, I can't catch a break. I can't catch my breath. As soon as one thing gets right, here comes something else. I get that, here comes something else. Like life is just busying you um, to keep you on a hamster wheel instead of ever moving forward. Mm-hmm. So then it's just a matter, then you just become, you know, you get the feeling of you're just busy. Busy, you busy breathing, but are you really living? So you're in survival mode 24 hours of every day as the years pass you by, the, the minutes, the, the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, and the years. And then it's the decades, and then it's the scores as they keep scrolling and keep passing you by. There's no, you know, am I really moving ahead or am I really on this treadmill? Can you say you had a radio show you're supposed to be doing? Nope, I got a prayer line to be a part of. Some shot on our phone. I'm not sure I'm not going to buy. Mm-hmm. 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 
Mm-hmm. Is there somebody else chiming in in the background? Hey, Ness Ness. Hey, baby doll. Well, Ness, how you make it? I'm good. How about you guys? I'm all right. Good. Hey, sugar mama, what's up? Little mama? Yeah, just living. We all just trying to live. Live our mm-hmm. life like it's golden. There you go. That's what Indy say, don't she? That's uh, uh, Jill Scott. A uh, Jill? Okay, I knew it was one of them. One of them Afro people. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you know, yep. the interesting thing about that treadmill is, you know, God is a God of choice, and and he gives us the free will to jump off of it whenever we want to. We can keep going, riding, till we have a heart attack, or we can jump off that joker. Absolutely. You can jump off that treadmill. This is nothing but a decision. I know God sometimes just be sitting looking at us like, oh, my God, really? I gave you all free choice and free will. I did do that. Mm-hmm. You pray for wisdom. You pray for discernment. You can't see that all you have to do is jump, is jump off. <laughs> And then he said, and quit lying and saying that you're on that treadmill because I told you to be on there. Ain't nobody told you to be on that treadmill all that time. Quit lying on me. You play too much. Absolutely. Somebody got a smoke detector battery need changing. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> all of them. All of them in the whole house. There's like four or five. Are they all tweeting? They all tweeting, and I keep forgetting every day I've been just you know, laser focused on what it is that I'm trying to do. I hear you, baby. Mm-hmm. It's driving me insane. I hear you. Hey, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, tell you, um, remember the time that you were on there, um, and talking about your daughter and that she was an overachiever. Mhm. And I, I don't did I say that? I don't know if I said it or not, but anyway, I know um from that point on I might have said on the line, I, I I quit calling my daughter trifling when she mm-hmm. does some trifling stuff and I started calling her overachiever. Mm-hmm. So like every time she does some trifling I look at her and I say, Okay, you overachiever. There you go. So anyway, the other day, um what happened? She, okay, she actually got a job, and she's supposed to have been doing some kind of interview or something, and the people called orientation, whatever happened anyway, the people called and counseled her, counseled her, because she's supposed to have been coming in that day to do whatever, mm-hmm. and I heard her on the phone, and she hung up the phone, and about 15 minutes later, she came back, she said, First, now, first she told me that, you know, they counseled her because what happened was she's had class and the lady originally told her that she could come to orientation and miss the last part of it and it was okay. Well, the next day they called back and told her that it was not okay and she had to wait two weeks for the next orientation. So she's supposed to have been going into work and they counseled her. So she mm-hmm. came and told me what happened and about 15 minutes after that she came back 
Well, that since they canceled me on this, I canceled this here. I called up these people here. I got an appointment to go for this job interview there, and I did it, and I got to go to school there. And then she was in. Now, how that for an overachiever? I couldn't do number last. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I've, I've just, I've been speaking more, you know, positive and being more grateful and uh, thanking mm-hmm. God for trying not to focus on the negative. Uh, uh-huh. It's funny, you would, I was listening to Lisa talking to you about the dream, and I had a dream the other night that um, this man that I have an interview with, was like in the dream he didn't like the fact that I challenged him on something and it was like he just almost turned demonic and I haven't even met this man I've just seen his LinkedIn picture so I'm like okay I don't know if the devil is trying to block me or if it's just anxiety that made me dream that or what but I just keep saying Lord let your will be done let your will be done let your will be done because I'm at an age and a boldness in Christ now to where I'm not allowing people, I'm not rude or harsh, but I'm not allowing people to crap on me anymore. And people are looking like, and I'm losing friends, and that's fine, but they're looking at me like, oh, this ain't Vanessa. Oh, my God. Oh, if if if, uh, if Vanessa, it's one of those situations that I'm the one always doing the calling and the doing this and the doing that. And one of my friends tried to tell me that that's okay, that's normal. And I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Friendships, we're supposed to pour into each other. Iron sharpens iron. You know, so I'm just coming into a spirit of boldness through Christ and speaking my peace with people and not carrying stuff. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself doing that to this man in this dream, and he he, he didn't like that. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, all right, Lord. Mhm. You know. You know that's and, a good sign, too, Vanessa. Hmm. I said that's a good sign, too, because yeah. that means that there's a shifting taking place. Yep. And I also, what I got out of it too, I didn't take it totally negative, but I got a, I got out of it where you know, when you go on these interviews, you need to be your true self as best you can. Of course, you gotta say certain fluff because that's what you do, but for the most part, you really gotta be your true self. Yep. And you know what's interesting is that sounds like your true self is changing. Mhm. It sounds like it's morphing and it's transforming. Yep. And good. Because if you change and you still got all the same people in your life, that's something to be alarmed about. Because then the question is, are you really changing? Because, right. you know, when you change, you attract different things. You re- You start to repel certain things and you start to attract different things. Absolutely. 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 And um, uh, you know, once I once and God started working with me and has been working with me on a fence. I've always been a very, very my girlfriend always told me I had a very tender heart. And I I've always been very I can be tough when I want to be, but with people that I care about Sometimes I can be a wimp, and it's like, and I take everything offensively sometimes. It's like, and I have to 
learn how to recognize, number one, not everything's about me. Number two, back up. Give people their space. If you text them or call them two or three times and they don't reach out to you, Leave it alone. Let it go. Don't take it personal. Don't think it's you. But in the same respect, you got to recognize that you can't just come and pick me up when you want to either. Mm. You know, and that's kind of a that's kind of a catch-22, you guys, you know? Or it might be that it's time to fortify yourself, build yourself up. There you go. And, and you become, see, when you become a certain thing, mm-hmm. you're going to attract that, and you ain't got to call and check nobody because they're going to want to be around you. They're exactly. going to want to reach out to you, and you're going to attract what you really are supposed to be attracting as opposed to just taking whatever's laying around like a dead road hill. So like that's it. why mm-hmm. I always say that our first ministry is unto ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our first ministry is to get ourselves together so that we can attract, because once you do that, what you what what comes into your atmosphere and into your circle is going to be something else. I'm telling you, I can. I, I'm telling you, what's happening now? You you won't believe it. When I started letting go of scrubs, when I started chasing, um, or excuse me, stopping. Um, mm-hmm. just taking any old thing because I feel like I got to fix stuff when I really need to be fixing myself. When I focused, you know, and I really started to laser focus mm-hmm. on on me and, and in who I really, really am and all of that, instead of always trying to sit around helping, helping other people, trying to fix other people because yep. subconsciously I was broken and I recognized it in other people and I felt like I got to fix it. Now you will be amazed amazed, amazed at what is happening and unfolding um, and the people who are reaching out. That is, that, but that can only happen when I place myself in a certain situation. And see, Vanessa, a lot of times we complain that our lives are this, our lives are that, this is happening, that's happening, and these people around because, but then we don't want to be honest about what is going on with ourselves to where we are attracting that stuff. And that's That's what I'm talking about at the conference. You know, if you, you know, it's like you got a certain, you know, your financial situation is messed up because you're sitting around that all that damn poverty. You sit all that poverty you sit around, that's what's going to follow you. All that gossiping mm-hmm. that you're sitting around, that's what's going to follow you. Absolutely. All that, you know, um, miseducation yep. that you're sitting around, the negativity, all that stuff, that's what's going to follow you. And see, what we don't want to talk about a lot of times is that we choose the lesser because of subconsciously how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel worthy... You ain't got to tell me nothing about your, I'm talking about any human being. None of us, you know, have to tell us nothing about, I can see how you feel about yourself by the circle that you keep. Who's around you? Who do you talk to? Who do you, that's how you really feel about yourself. That's how you, that's who you really are. You don't have to open up your mouth and say nothing. I'm going to look because we are a sum total of the five people we spend most of our time with. And And the five, yes. Go ahead, baby. And you know what? I realized that about one of my my good friends. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, I, I'm trying not to give away. I don't want to tell the person's business, but I was like, okay. why do you let these men do this to you? And I was noticing that. She
she would pull up for me because I would tell her, you know, certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then she started telling me about a couple of her other friends. And I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, my God, all of y'all are the same. Okay. You know, when it came to to men and and material things, I was just listening and such and such, blah blah blah, and da da da, da, and she's sporting a beamer and yada yada yada, and we went on a recon to see if this guy was married because he been coming to her house for for six. (laughs) That what that's what I call it. I love it. I'm, I'm about to start using that. Go ahead. I said, okay, she had to see if this guy was married because he don't never come to her house, but he told her he didn't come to her house because he was ashamed because his house wasn't as nice as her house. So we went on the recon. And blah, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh, my oh. God. And here's what's scary. One of the females, when my husband died, she's an older one, about, about 15 years, my no, 20 years my junior. I mean, my senior. And she kept trying to interject herself into my life. But I kept hearing this, treat her nice because you respect your elder, but don't go there. And I'm so glad I didn't because we're talking about women who are the same but in different, how do you call it, generations. Because the 70-year-old is the same as the woman my age, and the woman my age is the same as her good friend that's about, five years younger than her, then there's another one in the middle that's like 60. Now, that's four of them all together, two of them that I know. But I'm listening, and when they talk about men, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And God Mm -hmm. brought that to my attention about Mm -hmm. four or five months ago, and that's when I realized what Proverbs said, you can't reason with a fool. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, all right. So... My question was to my friend, why are we still talking about the same thing we were talking about eight years ago? And that's what I got, crickets. Because there's been no change in the mind. There's been no change. Nothing changes if your mind ain't changed. Wear me out. But so I get totally what you're saying. I, I really do, Lisa. And it's like when you wake up, it's almost like the end of the Spike Lee movie, School Days. Wake up. Uh huh. Where yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. run out in the middle of the yard uh-huh. and just yeah, wake up. I had to do uh-huh. that with myself. Uh oh. Wake up. You okay. can treat people nice, but you can't allow these people in your in your center circle. And I'm not saying don't help people that have problems, because I got problems. That's not what I'm saying. But, Mr. Sam, you said something to me so profound a week and a half ago, and I don't know if you remember, when you were praying over me and you talked about my diligence with the prayer call and how you guys have seen me change in the, in the year I've been on this call. Amen. 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 That's what life in Christ is about, growth mm-hmm. and change to edify ah. him. And you can't keep messing with these buffoons. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's about a changed mind and a changed heart. There is nothing, there is nothing more profound than a change. Until your mind and your heart are changed, 
actions will be the same. You can watch what people do. If a person was womanizing in their 20s, they womanizing in their 30s, womanizing in their 40s, womanizing in their 50s, womanizing in their 60s, it'd be, and I've had, and I've said, what, what is this old dude? You know what Two and three women. And, you know, and I've had, like, you know, like, my uncles and them tell me because they're still the same person. This age doesn't change anything. Their minds and their tastes and desires That's haven't it. changed. They are still, don't let it fool you. Don't think That's chronological it. age has anything to do with anything. You it know, sure person, does. Nope, not at all. That's why you got, you know, people at a certain age still, you know, gambling and rent money away. I, you know. I mean, but I see that. I saw that in this group of friends that I know indirectly through my friend and two, like I said, that I, I know uh, very well, actually, but it's like, oh, my God, you fussing at her about what she doing with men, but you doing the same thing, and you 70 years old. So I'm like, okay. You know, and it's hard to change when you, you know, change. You It is a decision. It's a conscious decision. You have to make a conscious decision, and it's hard. Who was I talking to? Somebody I was talking to just in the last few days, and we were saying change is hard. Sometimes you got to deny yourself things that you want. Sometimes it will break your heart. Sometimes you have to step away from people that you, that you love in order to not allow certain things. You do, you know, Lisa. And, and you know what else that came to me, too? Sometimes your ministry, because I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm looking at these situations. I'm looking. I got some big decisions that I refuse to make without your guidance, Lord, without knowing that it's from you. But I'm like, I've had two people tell me, NASA, stop thinking like that because your ministry might be in the workplace. You don't have to go abroad. And I'm like, but I don't want to deal with any more a-holes. And the person's like, but that may be your ministry in the workplace. I'm like, but I don't had, God has put me in the face of two or three races that I've dealt with on jobs. I just don't know. I'm like, okay, Lord. Yep, some people's ministry is in the prison. Some people's ministry is in war-torn countries. Some yeah. people's ministry is might be in the KKK camp. Some, you know, you never. It's like being deployed when you're in the army. We always say, "We in the army, of the Lord, I'm a soldier." You know what I'm talking about? But we uh, yes, sing all these songs and we say all this stuff, but we don't really listen to the words. We don't. We don't I'm telling you. Listen to me. I would encourage each of you. I have it pent up right in front of me. Take the time to really read the words to what a friend we have in Jesus. You will sit back in your chair and be like, oh, my God. And I keep it in front of me, pen up at my desk. Okay, Richie Poo has summoned me now. She's back. She's been on a month sabbatical, and now I'm getting pained. Can you come to my office? Uh, <laughs> thank y'all. Love y'all. Bye, Mr. Trang. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Poo. That's funny. Mr. Sam? Mr. Sam? Got to go back to work now. What? Oh, cool. Y'all go I, right think, 
Uh uh-uh, uh, because you got to go back to work now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You was on vacation, now you got to come on back. Mm hmm. You refuse? I mean, you know, I was cool. I got my vitamins done. I mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. So you trying to say my moment of rest or reprieve is gone? Oh, uh, that's what I am saying. Mm. Oh, now what you're trying to do. Right. right. There's no such thing as try. There's only do or not do. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I got to get you, too. I'm going to put your butt in boot camp, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Rebuke it. I, I, I say that. <laughs> I did not say a word. Done in the dark. I said everything done in the dark will come to the light. Amen. Mm-hmm. When did a who? A play. I don't know. I just know my mother would always say that right before she gave me a whooping because she found out something I did. She was like, everything done in the, I told you, everything done in the dark come to the light. I'd be like, Dad, I'm about to get my butt whooped. It it was just bad. But it's true. This is the age for light and for, um, this is the age for enlightenment. This is there's no more running around in the dark doing shit, stuff. No more. It's time for accountability and it's time for truth. Mm-hmm. And the people of God will be held accountable as such. And that's just what it is. Ain't no, no back, backpedaling and, you know, excuses and trying to cover our own butts with stuff, doing wrong and nah. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying to live my life in as much light as possible, being honest and truthful as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm, you know, in a position in, of leadership, you can't, because this stuff's gonna come out. It's gonna come out. And but the beautiful part that God will do, He'll give us a chance to control the manner in which it happens at first. Mm-hmm. It'll give you a chance to control that. But if you still don't want to do right, it's gonna come out. But it ain't gonna it ain't gonna be the way we would probably like. Because mm-hmm. it's a whole lot of stuff that I get that I probably would do. <laughs> but I can't do it. Oh, 9.30, I changed the time. 
it was nine o'clock at, at one point, but um, I changed it. How many students you got this week? Like five, not that many. Did the others come on board? You said they what? The other families. You said it was like a couple of families out of town that come on board. You know what? No, they. Uh, one of them, the, the kids stayed. Ended up staying out of town. He's not coming back. And uh, the other ones. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't think they ever did come back. To be honest with you, I don't think they did come back. I ain't coming back. Never coming back. Mm-hmm. No. But the, the good part is. With just our little group, we're having a good time because they want to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, their moms aren't making them come. Like, they genuinely want to be here. They like being here. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a staunch difference when you're someplace where you truly desire to be and someplace that you are out of necessity or because somebody told you you have to or because you feel like, you need to be there for whatever reason. That's why they're so happy. That's what happiness is. That's what joy is. Doing what you truly desire. Not doing what you have to do because you feel like that's what you got to do. That's the rest. That's extortion. Lies. <laughs> no, not all the time. Not all the time. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. What you say? What? I didn't hear nothing. No. What did you say? I said, I said that's what I'm trying to get you to see. I ain't trying to get you to see nothing no more. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, that's a lost cause because Sam is stubborn. Sam is a true Omega man, and he's going to see what he wants to see. And it don't matter if somebody is right, if they wrong, crazy, in between, he's going to do what he wants to do because he's going to tell himself whatever he needs to tell himself to make whatever he's doing right and comfortable. <clears throat> So there ain't no telling that man nothing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you say uh, <laughs> in the movie, um, what was that movie? You got served when when uh, the guy, what was his name? Emerald. His name was Emerald. When Emerald, the, the gangster guy, that who the owner of the drugs that they got jumped for, he said, the little sister was like, why don't you just go and try to talk to him? He said, girl, ain't no talking to that man. He was in the nothing. Ain't no talking to that man what? He ain't listening to nothing. Oh. Uh. <laughs> 
Because we all, you know, wherever we tell ourselves, you know, that we're comfortable at, however we need to cope is what we choose to believe. That's why some people believe that there's Martians. have a strong enough why. I was talking about your why is everything. You'll see what's important to a person by their actions. And you can't change that. Only they can change it. by what they're willing to lose, what they're willing to give up, what they're not willing to lose, what they're not willing to give up. That is the measure of a man or a woman. Don't need to talk. Don't need to hear nothing. Just watch. you learn everything you need to know about a person. I guess I need to go get you this list or I'm going to do this real quick. Okay. I'm going to do this real quick. 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 Jasper Fowler, you're a good delegate, 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 you're a
Um, here we got Joshua, Brandon, Arthur, Ebony. I don't know. Nobody can see it but you. Well, y'all need to get your listen and y'all be able to follow it then. Well, you, why don't you just scan the email everybody copies of the listening? Well, dear, see, since you want to go there, like, you know, originally everybody had their own individual list and then people faded from their responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up doing all the other lists because nobody was doing it. So that's how it came. So you think I'm about to email people copies list? Not going to do it. Not. That's fine. I didn't know. Touche, Mr. Pussycat. Well, now you know. Amen. No one's half the battle. That's what G.I. Joe said. And no one is half the battle. That's what G.I. Joe said. He did. He surely did say that. Yes, he did, honey. That was a smart brother. G.I. <laughs> Joe, he, you know why he was so smart? Because he was wow. the greatest American hero. That's right. G.I. Joe was there. Making up. Uh oh, you got a little little he was doing some pipes right there, bruh. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, woman. Okay. Got more than finally court and combat, Nick Ben Marissa Marsh, Mike Charles, Benny Free. Brenda <laughs> Run the fishing, 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 f
Okay, you got unfriends, sick insurance, the season of congregation insurance, the deal of addiction. Precious mention in the family, the Rundable Sushiba 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 Saga, Rundable Sushiba 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 Saga, Rundable Sushiba 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 Saga, the Saga Saga. And And that's going to be it for that. So, walking around the supernatural, run to go fishing, go fishing, go fishing, go fishing, go fishing, go fishing, go Grace, mercy, and favor. Run the ghost, she goes, she goes, she goes, she goes, And as you break through and turn around, you run the good to the gun 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 to
brighter Cause you got better days Sing Ray music All good vibes My mama gave me up when I was four years old She didn't destroy my body She killed my soul That was cold Cause I'm sleeping in my back seat Understand the spirits work But my flesh is weak Let me speak I never had a chance to dream Ten years old and finding love In dirty magazines Miss December, you remember I bought you twice Now I'm thirty plus and still paying the price Had a sister that I barely knew Kind of got separated by the age of two. Same mom, different dad, so we couldn't fake it. I saw my sister's daddy beat it through the dead naked. Take it seriously, the demons and the man's mind. The same man on rape charges, now we're doing time. Crack followed, and like daddy prison, 13 years. Haven't seen her, but she's straight at tears for fears.
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app.
All right, all right, all right. Do you need me to drop you off on hundred down before I get started with this call? Huh? Alright. Oh y'all can listen to some music while I drop my child off in Hunter Love Street. Life complete. Now I know, Lord, that's me. 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
Come through, come through for me, oh. 
Maccabees are back. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Well, good morning, sir. From Nene, how you be? Hi, I'm being pretty good. I'm out and about walking around, enjoying the pretty sights and enjoying the fresh air. How you be? Moving around, not complaining. There you go. I'm complaining. That's how I be. Well, you know, I was reading something earlier, and uh, it was stating about how we go around, you know, in life. And it says when you get to the point you want to start complaining, just think about that woman that's in labor, hoping that it's hurry up and get over with. <laughs> think about the woman what? The woman that's in labor. Oh, oh, okay. The pains and stuff that she's going through, the seeds, the uh, justifications to the, you know, to the purpose of her going through it. I mean, it's a, it's an intense pain that you wish that you could get finished with, but then too, at the end of it, look at what you have. Look what you know. Look at the results. Yep, yep. And we can complain as much as we want, but we still got to go through these pains. So the best thing to do is stop complaining. I don't know where the hell is that. Okay, look. Are you ready for the reading? Yes, sir. Go ahead and open up in prayer right now. Lord, thank you for bringing us together this morning on the prayer call to learn more about you, your words, and our purpose. As we sit down at your table to partake, to give our spiritual being into growing into your substance in order to make us strong and also to prepare us for your promises as well as your love, grace, and mercy. Let us partake, let us sup, and then let us also take what we get from this call today to go enlighten and help out and invite in others. In the name of the Son, Jesus, I pray, amen. Amen. All righty. So we are about to get into an analysis of the Spirit. To understand more clearly what spiritual life is, we must analyze the spirit explicitly and assimilate all of its laws. Only after we are really acquainted with its different functions are we able to know the laws which govern them. Only after we become familiar with those laws can we walk according to the spirit. That is, according to the laws of the spirit. This is indispensable for experiencing the spiritual life. We should never fear appropriating too much knowledge concerning the spirit, but we should be extremely apprehensive if we use our mind excessively in such pursuit. Whew. 
I'm just going to read because we're going to be in this. So, yeah. God's glad tidings to man is that the fallen can be regenerated and the fleshly can receive a new spirit. This new spirit serves as the basis for new life. What we commonly term spiritual living is but to walk by the spirit which we obtain at regeneration. It is something to be deplored that believers are so ignorant of the functions of the spirit as well as other matters pertaining to it. Although they may know the relationship of the spirit to man in the name, they are unable to identify their spirit and experience. Either they do not realize where their spirit is, or else they interpret their own feelings or thoughts to be functions of the spirit. An analysis of its functions hence becomes absolutely essential, for without them no believer can move according to the spirit. Mention was made previously that the function of the spirit could be classified as intuition, communion, and conscience. While these three can be distinguished, still they are closely entwined. It is therefore difficult to treat of one without touching upon the others. When we talk, for example, about intuition, we naturally must include communion and conscience in our discussion. Thus, in dissecting the spirit, we necessarily must look into its triple functions. Since we have seen already how the spirit comprises these three abilities, we should proceed next to uncover what these exactly are in order we may be helped to walk according to the spirit. We may say that such a walk is a walk by intuition, communion, and conscience. These three are merely the functions of the spirit. Furthermore, they are not the only ones according to the Bible but they are the main functions of the spirit. Mm. None of them is the spirit, for the spirit itself is substantial, personal, invisible. It is beyond our present comprehension to apprehend the substance of the spirit. What we today know of a substance comes via its various manifestations in us. We will not attempt here to solve future mysteries, but only attempt to discover spiritual life. Sufficient for us is the knowledge of these abilities or functions and of the way to follow our spirit. Our spirit is not material, and yet it exists independently in our body. Mm -hmm. Okay. It must therefore possess its own spiritual substance, out of which arises various abilities for the performance of God's demands on man. Hence, What we desire to learn is not the substance, but the functions of the spirit. Previously, we have compared man to the temple and man's spirit to the holy of holies. We shall proceed further with this metaphor by comparing the intuition, communion, and conscience of the spirit to the ark and the holy of holies. First, within the ark lies the laws of God, which instruct the Israelites what they should do. God thereby reveals himself and his will through the law. In like manner, God makes himself and his will known to the believer's intuition that he may walk accordingly. Second, upon the ark and sprinkled with the blood is the mercy seat whereon God manifests his glory and receives man's worship. Similarly, every person redeemed by the blood has the spirit quickened through this, through this quickened spirit 
he worships and communes with God. As God formerly communed with Israel on the mercy seat, so he today communes with the believer in his blood-cleansed spirit. Third, the ark is called the ark of testimony because therein are kept the Ten Commandments as God's testimony to Israel. Just as the two tablets of law silently accuse excuse the doings of Israel, so the believer's conscience on which God's spirit has written the law of God bears witness for or against the conduct of the believer. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit, Romans 9 and 1. Observe with what respect the Israelites paid the ark. In crossing the Jordan River, they had no other guidance save the ark, but they followed it without hesitation. In fighting against Jericho, they did nothing except march behind it. Later, they could not stand before the Philistines when they tried to use the ark according to their way. Was not Uzziah smitten to death as he put out his fleshly hand to hold the ark? How joyful Israel was when they had prepared a habitation for it, Psalms 132. These incidents ought to teach us to be exceptionally careful with our ark, which is our spirit, with its threefold function. If we walk in this fashion, we shall have life and peace. If we allow the flesh to interfere, we can encounter nothing but total defeat. Victory depended not on what or how Israel thought, but on where the ark led. Mm. Spiritual usefulness lies in teaching of our intuition, communion, and conscience, and not in the thought of man. I'm going to just stop right there. It don't make no sense to try to go any further. Because we about to be into this. Father God, Ooh, Father God, Shadarasa, Sakara. To understand more clearly what spiritual life is, we must analyze and, and we must analyze the spirit explicitly and assimilate all of his laws. Only after we are really acquainted with his different functions are we able to know the laws which govern them. Only after we become familiar with those laws can we walk according to the spirit, that is, according to the laws of the spirit. This is indispensable for experiencing a spiritual life. <laughs> okay. To understand more clearly what spiritual life is, we must analyze the spirit explicitly and assimilate all of his laws. So to know what spiritual life, again, according to the Bible, according to the word of God, not according to what the world thinks, because the world has their own definition, interpretation, as do we, because we might think differently even when the Bible begins to show us differently. So let, 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 let's start it right there. We off track. So now, to get us on track, we must analyze the spirit explicitly and assimilate all of his laws. All of whose laws? The spiritual laws. The law, again, everything I'm talking about, I'm talking about according to how God had ordained this thing to be. Not how man has twisted it and messed it up. Okay? Since the fall, it's been twisted and messed up. Only after we are really acquainted with its different functions are we able to know the laws which govern them. Only after we become familiar with those laws can we walk according to the spirit, that is, according to the laws of the spirit. Only after we are really acquainted with his different functions. In other words, God has to introduce you to your spirit through via the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to get introduced to your spirit. 
You're not going to get introduced to your spirit through your mind. You're not going to get introduced to your spirit through worldly knowledge and books. And Only the Holy Spirit will introduce you to your spirit. It's his job. Because anything you do through the mind is the flesh. Now, is your mind, etc., important? Yes. But it's subjugated to the spirit. Again, now I'm going back to what Erica said, which is vitally important for what we're talking about right now. We can't be vague no more because this is grad work. So now we need to begin to fine-tune our language as well as our understanding according to what we're talking about. So we can't come about vagueness and no, no, no. Now it's time for us to be explicit, learn and speak differently. Because it's important if we're going to walk according to the laws and the regulation of the Holy Spirit. Only after we're really acquainted with his different functions are we able to know the laws which govern them. Only after we become familiar with those laws can we walk according to the Spirit, that is, according to the laws of the Spirit. So in other words, we've got to get acquainted with the laws of the Spirit, then we become familiar with them, then we can walk according to them. Think about it. Get a course like an introduction. Hey, spirit, this is Sam. Sam, this is spirit. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I think you're going to, you know, you spend some time together, learn a little bit about each other. Then after you do that, you get acquainted with them, then you can walk with them. See, it's breaking it down into a process. We, we can't just jump up and do these things. It don't happen like that. We want it to happen like that because we want it now, especially in America. It's mine and I want it now. It's my money and I want it now. Give it to me right now. Well, you know what? If it was that simple, then everybody would be walking accordingly, and we're not. This is indispensable for experiencing the spiritual life. We should never fear appropriating too much knowledge concerning the spirit but we should be extremely apprehensive if we use our mind excessively in such pursuit. Hmm. We should never fear appropriating too much knowledge concerning the spirit. Interesting. But here comes the disclaimer, not the disclaimer, the footnote. But we should be extremely apprehensive if we use our mind excessively in such pursuit. Again, we must have the Holy Spirit teach us spiritual things because anything you learn in your mind is in your mind. Not only until after you begin to apply it will you get spiritual knowledge and understanding. So when we're studying, we're putting things in our mind. We're taking seed and we're putting it inside of us. That's a necessary component. Because, see, you've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. He's not going to work with your emotions. He's going to work with the Word of God. What did he say? The Word of God is the only thing that was able to separate spirit from soul. So it's a necessary and needful thing. That's why he said, you've got to study to show thyself approved. So, Studying the Word of God is a necessary component because you're giving your spirit something to feed upon. You're giving the Holy Spirit something to act upon. So that's a necessary component. But he's saying be extremely apprehensive if we use our mind excessively in such pursuit. Other words, again, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to guide you in these things. 
You can't do this on your own. It's not even set up that way. Hold on. So that's what so that's what we're talking about. To be extremely hypersensitive to using our mind excessively in such pursuit. Even I tell you, even again, we're gonna start out this way. Let's go through process now. We're gonna start out reading our Bible, reading books, going to classes, and the other. But as we grow, then we need to begin to say, Lord, what do I need to read in my Bible today? Lord. Well, oh, I, I loved it when he broke it down that we need to pray to God to find out what it is we need to pray about so then we can pray it. That's a spiritual prayer. We need to go to God to find out specifically that which is God's will concerning whatever the situation or circumstance. Then once we find what God's will concerning the situation or circumstance, then we speak it out of our own mouth. That's a spiritual prayer. But again, going back to process, we're going to start our carnal. We're going to start our reading. Because, again, we're babes. We, we don't know no better. And honestly, unfortunately, most of his body is stuck in not where it's at. Going back to circles of fellowship, 700, 500, 70, 12, 3, and 1. Circles of fellowship. That's where the majority of his children are at. Again, grad level so now, God, what do I need to speak? I don't need just to let words come out of my mouth. Grad level, Holy Spirit, begin to teach me. Check my mouth when it needs to be closed. Open my mouth when I need to speak. Let me speak that what you want me to say. Grad level. God's glad tidings to man is that fallen is that the fallen can be regenerated and the fleshly can receive a new spirit. This new spirit serves as the basis for new life. What we commonly term spiritual living is but to walk by the spirit to which we obtain our regeneration. Hmm. He's making this very simple, very simple. What we commonly term spiritual living is but to walk by this spirit which we obtain our regeneration. When you're born again, when you say yes to Christ, now, that dead spirit that's inside of you comes alive. It comes alive to God. As far as God is concerned, it's dead. It's alive to the world, but as far as God is concerned, it's alive now because you said yes to the Son, which is the only way that you can come back to God. So now you say yes to God. Your spirit becomes alive. Once your spirit comes alive, then as you yield, seek, and walk according to such, you are now walking according to the Spirit. So this is a spiritual walk. He's just making it real simple. You're walking according to that reborn spirit that is inside of you. It is something to be deplored that believers are so ignorant of the functions of the Spirit as well as other matters pertaining to it. I like how he said the functions of the Spirit as well as other matters pertaining to it. Although they may know the relationship of the spirit to man in name, they are unable to identify their spirit in experience. Okay. They are un- Although they may know the relationship of the spirit to man in name, 
they are unable to identify the spirit and experience. That experience comes from once you are now born again, then you begin to be led by that spirit that's inside of you, and you begin to experience what it's teaching you. So that means everybody's spirit has different levels. That means you might see understand things that somebody next to you, even though y'all might be the same age, might not. When Paul was eating food from the idols, they were like, man, you can't, they offer that food to idols. Paul said, okay, he quit eating it. Not that it was a problem to him. He understood that ain't nothing but a dead piece of wood. But if it's going to offend you, then I won't eat this in front of you. See, that's maturity. That's not trying to, you don't understand it. Well, brother, no, because if they're not there, they're not there. What do you do when you see that? You pray, you ask God, God to grow them up, and you keep it moving. You can't grow nobody up. You can't grow nobody up. I got what I tell them. I, my responsibility, I got three 90-year-olds and an 18-year-old. That's my responsibility. Even now, my 18-year-old, I have to let her have her own life choices and experiences. I monitor and I guide, but the bottom line is the foundation is there. You can't grow nobody up. Even in your young children, you're definitely more trying to establish a foundation and you're more putting a realm around them, but they're going to do things that you don't know about. They're going to experience things that they might not ever tell you until later on because they got to make their own choices. So, again, you can't make nobody see something even if it's standing right in front of them. You get an understanding of what it is and you keep it moving. Although they may know the relationship of the spirit to man and name, they are unable to identify the spirit in experience. Either they do not realize where their spirit is, or else they interpret their own feelings or thoughts to be functions of the spirit. An analysis of its functions hence becomes absolutely essential, for without them no believer can move according to the spirit. So now he said, we need to begin to analyze the functions of the spirit. See, what he's saying, you know, a lot of people misinterpret their thoughts, their feelings, and desires as being that of the Spirit, especially when you're a babe, because you're used to being governed by yourself. You're used to being governed by your, how your desires. So now when your spirit is young, a lot of what you do, your spirit might be leading you to some degree, but a lot of it's still carnal. It's a process, people. Understand it for what it is. Keep it moving. Mention was made previously that the functions of the spirit could be classified as intuition, communion, and conscience. So now he's beginning to define the breakdown, the main, and I like how he said the main three components of the spirit. Intuition, communion, and conscience. While these three can be distinguished still, they are closely entwined. It is therefore difficult to treat one without touching upon the other. When we talk, for example, about intuition, we must naturally include communion and conscience in our discussion. Thus, in dissecting the spirit, we necessarily must look into its triple functions. Since we have seen already how the spirit comprises these three abilities, we should proceed next to uncover what these exactly are in order we may be helped to walk according to the spirit. 
we may say that such a walk is a walk by intuition, communion, and conscience. So now he's breaking down the functions of the spirit. The main three components are intuition, communion, and conscience. They're separate, but they're closely intertwined. Just like Pam did that diagram of the spirit, soul, and body. They're separate, but they're still intertwined. So just getting an understanding of this helps you to get, be able to walk accordingly. When we talk about intuition, we naturally must include commune and conscience in our discussion. Thus, in dissecting the spirit, we must look into its triple functions. Since we've already seen our spirit comprise these three abilities, we should proceed next and cover what these exactly are in order we may be helped to walk according to the spirit. We may say that such a walk is a walk by intuition, commune, and conscience. So if such a walk is a walk by intuition, communion, and conscience, what if I say this is a walk of faith? See, we say a walk of faith. Well, breaking down a walk of faith is a walk of intuition, communion, and conscience. See, now again, this is grad level. We're starting to get in how does this faith work. And he, oh, let me just keep reading. Mm. These three are merely the functions of the spirit, okay? Furthermore, they're not the only ones, according to the Bible, but they're the main function of the spirit. So now, he says, communion, intuition, and conscience are the functions of, they're not the spirit, but these are the things that the spirit does. They're the functions of the spirit. And biblically speaking, they're not the only ones, but these are the main ones. So now he's saying there are other things that the Spirit does, but these are the main three. None of them is a Spirit, for the Spirit itself is substantial, personal, invisible. What? What? Hold on. Wait a minute. The Spirit itself is substantial, personal, invisible. Substantial, base word, substance. Personal, your spirit is different than mine. Invisible, you can't see it with your natural eye. It is beyond our present comprehension to apprehend the substance of the spirit. What we today know of substance comes via various manifestations in us. We will not attempt to hear to solve future mysteries, but only attempt to discover spiritual life. So let's back this up again. It is beyond our present comprehension to apprehend the substance of the spirit. He said the spirit itself is substantial, base word substance. What did he say earlier? We made such a walk by the intuition, communion, and conscience, a walk by faith. What is, that, what is the scripture? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. You see how all this is intertwining? So even though we don't see something, we see the manifestations of it. We see the fruit that is bearing. That's the substance from the functions of the spirit. What your spirit is telling and leading you to do, and then when it begins to manifest, it becomes, see, this is what's very, very key, and this is why you got to grow. Because I talk about, to be very honest, when we're first starting this thing off, we talk about trusting God, but it's difficult. That's why it's such a struggle. But now, as you continue to develop your intuition, your communion, and conscience, or your faith, 
and this thing begins to grow. This thing begins to grow. Then as your faith is growing, your intermunion, communion and conscience are growing, then your faith is growing. Kind of knock me off track. Okay, so now as your faith is growing, initially you're not really seeing because you don't really see it, but then you end up do seeing it. Why do I say that? Jesus said, I saw your faith. But as it increases, that's why I'm saying, because you start out struggling to trust God because you're walking by your intuition, communion, and conscience, but it's not strong because it has to be exercised. But as it increases and as it grows, you begin to lean and trust on it more, thus you begin to trust God more. Now, as you begin to trust God more, even though you don't see this in the natural, you begin to trust that in your spirit, man, which is substance. So it begins to become more real, and you're trusting it more in your inner man, which is the substance of things hoped for. That's inside of you. So now you're beginning to walk more and more according to what's inside of you than what's outside of you. But it's a process that you've got to go and grow through and into. And that takes a lot, a while, because the, the, the hardest part of it is growing you out of yourself, out of your experiences, out of all these things you've had before. God started saying, "Okay, now I'm going to begin to transform you." See, transformation doesn't begin until first and foremost of salvation. Then from that, it's a walk, depending on how much you yield, how much you allow, how much God grows you up. So it's a process. Okay, I'm going to read all that again. These three are merely the functions of the Spirit. Furthermore, they're not the only ones according to the Bible. They are but the main functions of the Spirit. None of them is the Spirit, but the Spirit itself is substantial, personal, and invisible. It is beyond our present comprehension to apprehend the substance of the, of the Spirit. What we today know of substance comes via various manifestations in us. We will not attempt here to solve future mysteries, but only attempt to discover spiritual life. Sufficient for us is the knowledge of these abilities of function and of the way they follow the Spirit. Hold on a second.
Okay. All right. All right, I'll where I'm at. We will not attempt here to solve future mysteries, but only attempt to discover spiritual life. Sufficient for us is the knowledge of these abilities of functions and of the way to follow our spirit. Our spirit is not material, and yet it exists independently in our body. It must therefore possess its own spiritual substance, out of which arises various abilities for the performance of God's demands on man. Hmm. Our spirit is not material, yet it exists independently in our body. So your body houses your spirit. This invisible thing, but still it lives inside you. This intangible thing, naturally, but yet it has substance. Where is it housed at? It's housed inside of your body. I'm going to just leave that alone because I was about to go some places. Right now we're going to finish with the lesson. It must therefore possess its own spiritual substance out of which arises various abilities for the performance of God's demands on man. So out of your spirit arises various abilities to perform God's demands, that which God wants you to accomplish. And how he wants you to accomplish it is through your spirit. Let's get this right. God's demands on what he wants you to do. But the requirement is that it would be done through your spirit. See, a lot of us get this intertwined and messed up. And God, you get So, I'm going to say I'm going to just I'm going to just start it off and saying one of the reasons why you're experiencing the hardship, the trial and because he wants you to learn how to lean on him rather than yourself. So now, if you were capable of doing it on your own, then you wouldn't be coming to him, seeking him for prayer, for strength, for patience, for peace, because I can't think. They're getting on my nerves, but I know I got to get this done. You go find a corner. Father, tell you, can you go in the bathroom? I don't know. We got them bathroom prayers. You go in that bathroom, close the store, Lord Jesus, I need peace. I just, I got to have it. See, right now, literally, you're groaning in your spirit. Right now, you're, you're talking to God because you're at such a point, you're at such a place that I, I got to have this because I don't want to lose my job. Because if I lose my job, then I know I ain't going to be able to provide. So I can't go off on my boss. I can't go off on my coworker because, see, I, 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 I can't. So I got to find some way to get some strength to stay here. Oh, see, y'all relate to me now. Y'all got to see what I'm talking about. So you go have them bathroom-style prayers. Well, what are you doing? You're putting a demand on your spirit, man, to be able to perform that which needs to be done. I see, again, this is how God trains you. So, so what am I saying? So now as God's training you in the workplace so that when he wants you to do it on the mission field, whatever that mission field might be, at, even if that mission field is in the workplace, you're walking according to your spirit, and you're learning how to get up out of yourself and lean on to God. Y'all ain't, ain't hearing me right now. 
Y'all ain't hearing me right now. So, so, so again, I'm going to read this one more time. Our spirit is not material, yet it exists independently in our body. It must therefore possess its own spiritual substance, out of which arises various abilities for the performance of God's demands on man. So God is showing you, pointing you in a path that you are one that He wants you to walk. But He's gonna make you uncomfortable. He's gonna make you in lack. He's gonna make you in a where you don't have totally what you need, but you need to do it anyway. And the only way you can do that is to step out of self. See, now, so you're now doing what God wants you to do it. Now you're doing it the way God wants you to do it because now you're getting up out of self via your spirit. So now via your spirit is now because your, your flesh and your soul is overworked, afflicted in whatever condition that if it, it can't operate totally right. So in order to accomplish that which needs to be done, you tap your spirit begins to tap into God, and then God begins to pour down inside of your spirit. Then you know what also happens? What also happens is a lot of those abilities that's buried inside of your spirit begin to arise up, stuff that you didn't even know was there, and you will never know as long as you don't step out. So now you begin to step out in faith, what do we just talk about? Faith is the development of your conscience, your intuition, and your communion. That's the substance of your spirit. Come on now. You see how all this is intertwined? So you begin to step out in faith. Then those things, those spiritual abilities that's deep down inside you begin to rise up, and you're then able to perform that which God wants you to do. Because, see, before you were hesitant about doing it because you couldn't see it. You were hesitant about doing it because I don't have what I need. Of course not. Because you don't have it in your flesh, but God knows you'll never see it, nor be able to perform, nor is it designed for you to do it in the flesh. It must be done through the Spirit. So until you learn the proper process and then begin to step out and do what God called you to do according to the way that he desires you to do it, you'll never see it, nor be able to fulfill what God is calling you to walk and do or your destiny. Previously, we have compared man to the temple. Now, we're about to really get in just some stuff here. Hmm. Oh, Lord. Previously, we have compared man to the temple and man's spirit to the holy of holies. We should proceed further with this metaphor by comparing the intuition, union, and conscience of the spirit to the ark of the holy of holies. First, Within the ark lies the laws of God, which instructs the Israelites what they should do. Okay, so let's break this down right now. Compare man to the temple and man's spirit to the Holy Holy. So first of all, in the temple we had the outer court, the inner court, and the most the Holy Holy was the same one. So our outer court represents our flesh. Our inner court represents our soul. Oh, Jesus, I'm about to go somewhere with this. I hope Andre listens because I don't know where it's going to take us. And, and, and... Our spirit represents the holy of holies. Now, medical, spiritual, we, we, we come into the understanding that the cellular wall represents the outer court. That, what, 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 what you on the line there? I ain't got it written in front of me. The nucleus 
which is the nucleus and the mitochondria. The nucleus is the holy of holies because it's the one that governs all, again, according to how God has set it up. But the mitochondria is the powerhouse which which depend which yield and dick because it gives you the cellular energy to do that which needs to be done. So and literally in understanding spirit, soul, and body, your soul has to con, con, has to agree with the spirit. So it has to say, I'm yeah, I'm gonna give you the power, but I'm really submitting my power to your power, Holy Spirit. So in the cellular mind spiritual discussion, I hope I'm getting anybody too crazy right here, but I see the tie-in right now. So in, 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 the, in, the, in the medical spiritual discussion, we're talking about the mitochondria submits its power to that of the nucleus, and the nucleus tells it what to do. The wall is, is the wall that, comp, that houses all of this. So now, going back according to the book, our soul submits to our spirit, but the spirit is a powerhouse which gives the power for the soul and the body to perform that which needs to be done. We shall proceed further with the metaphor comparing the intuition, communion, and conscience of the spirit to the ark and the holy of holies. First, in the ark lies the laws of God, which instructs the Israelites what they should do. So now they got the ark of the covenant. Okay. And inside the ark lies the laws of God, which instructs the Israelites what they should do. God thereby reveals himself and his will through the law. In like manner, God makes himself and his will known to the believer's intuition that he may walk accordingly. Okay, so he's saying that inside the ark are the laws of God. And God reveals himself through the law and makes himself known to the believer, makes his will known to the believer's intuition that he may walk accordingly. So the process are from coming from within to out in the spirit. Breaking down spirit, soul, and body, breaking down communion, intuition, and con conscience, intuition, communion. I'm going to go through this one more time, even for my own self. The laws of God, which instruct the Israelites what they should do, are inside the ark. And he reveals himself through the law. That's what God reveals himself. That's how we know how to govern ourselves, which is our Bible, which is our law. He reveals himself through our law. God himself makes his will known to the believer's intuition that he may walk accordingly. So we walk according to our intuition, but it's still always based upon the Bible, based upon our law. Second, upon the ark, sprinkled with the blood is the mercy seat whereon God manifests his glory and receives man's worship. Similarly, every person redeemed by the blood has a spirit quickened. Through this quickened spirit, he worships and communes with God. So now, let me read that again. Upon the ark and sprinkled with blood is the mercy seat, whereupon God manifests his glory. Where does the glory of God sit? Upon the ark. It sits upon the ark where the blood is sprinkled. And he receives man's worship in that area. Every person redeemed by the blood has his spirit quickened. So every one of us that's born again, our spirit has now become quickened, has become alive. Quickened spirit, he worships and communes with God. So through our quickened spirit is how we worship, how we communicate, how we commune with God. It's through our spirit. Not through our flesh. Not through our soul. 
God formally communed with Israel on the mercy seat so he did the believer in his blood cleansed spirit. Heard the ark is called the ark of testimony because therein are kept the Ten Commandments as God's testimony to Israel. Just as the two tables of law silently accused or excused it doing to Israel, so the believer's conscience, which God's spirit has written the law of God, bears witness for or against the conduct of the believer. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read that part again. Third, the ark is called the ark of testimony. Because therein I kept the Ten Commandments as God's testimony to Israel. This is the two tablets of law silently accused Israel. Again, on written on those stones told Israel whether they were right, whether they were wrong, what to do, what not to do. Well, so the believer's conscience, out of our spirit. Okay, how you doing? Hey, Renee, can you go on mute? Oh, I'm sorry. So the believer's conscience, on which God's spirit has written the law of God, bears witness for us against the conduct of the believer, for or against the conduct of the believer. Romans 9 and 1. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. So our conscience, where the law is written, that's where we know, am I doing right, am I doing wrong? Okay, again, I give the example of trying to go downtown to, um, from, from my house. If God tells me to take the red line, he tells Erica to drive. If I get in the car and go with Erica, I'm wrong. So, again, but all that comes from the Holy Spirit bearing witness to us. Observe with what respect the Israelites paid the ark. In crossing the Jordan River, they had no other guy to save the ark, but they followed without hesitation. And you know what was funny? As I was reading that, I never even thought before until the end. <clears throat> they, the ark led them. How did the ark lead them? They had the ark on poles, and they carried it. The ark said, turn left. ark said, turn right. Ark, well, actually, it did. But how did they communicate with it? Mm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it didn't have stop sign, go sign, flashlight, neon lights. No. So, again, they were the priests. They had to be in such a state that they, their, their vessels could communicate and discern not only on the, as an individual, but as a one, one, um, one, one, everybody together, one accord. Because I'm not sure how many of them are carried, but they had to be on one accord. We need to stop. We need to rise. We need to go to the right. We need to go to the left. So, again, that's just another example of how even back then in the Old Testament, how God was communicating them via the Spirit. Isaiah, who I respect, the Israelites paid to the ark. And crossing the Jordan River, they had no other God to save the ark. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.